culture. Pop my culture. Pop my culture. Everyone. Pop my culture. Pop my culture. Pop my culture. Everyone. It's the Pop My Culture Podcast with your hosts, Cole Stratton and Vanessa Ragland. Welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Cole Stratton. I'm Vanessa Ragland. With us today, uh, you might remember, was one of the Mads from Mystery Science Theater 3000, TV's Frank. Frank Conniff is here. Hey. Hey, Frank. Hi. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for doing it. That's My the pleasure. interview. Okay. How, how you I, are. And so, we're done. That was I good. I knew that would be tough. <laughs> <laughs> you aced it. Mm-hmm. Hard-hitting, hard-hitting questions. We it throw at you early. early. <laughs> uh, well, I'm surprised, actually, that you and Cole can both be here, because... I would have thought you would have been doing press about the glamorous, sexiest men at this point. No? Uh, what? You didn't yes, make the glamorous list? top 50. Oh. I found out that um, Frank was 51 and I was 52. Oh, okay. Oh. So, okay. actually, uh, I don't mean to burst your bubble. I was actually 51 and 52. Oh. See, I'm a, large, I'm a large man, ladies and gentlemen, is the point I'm making. Man, glamour next year. <laughs> but you yeah. are number one on their large and in charge list. Okay, <laughs> so. awesome. In the September issue. That's great. It's coming out. They, the, the title of the article is Frank Conniff Living Extra, Extra Large. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the photo shoot already. But you beat out Jeff Garland. He was number two. Uh, well, so he's, congratulations. he's gotten all of the fat publicity. <laughs> it's about time someone else. <laughs> Sucker. Mm-hmm. One at a time. Mm-hmm. But the list did come out. and yeah. uh, I don't want to. I mean, I, I started this with this, but I don't actually want to talk about it now. You really don't. Is it because... Mm. Who who is Someone the was, is it the fifty sexiest man? Is yes, that the thing? Yes. Uh, is it yeah, just who? People magazine? No, it's Glamour. I guess oh. Glamour's doing it now. They're like oh, that okay. works for people. Um mm. are, is it sexiest or is it most something? No, it's it's sexiest. Yeah. I, I think it's um the the um more accurate description with uh would be stars with the fifty smoogiest publicists. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's about right. <laughs> well, I hope that that's what it is because my darling was not in the top three. Well, who were the the top three? Uh, I believe I don't want to be. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. But um, what's his head? The vampire, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, who I used to have a crush on, but oh. then in the latest Twilight movie, I saw how hairy his wrists are, and I'm oh, disgusted. Oh, really? He by has him. hairy wrists. Really? Oh, hairy that's wrists. shocking. Like a gorilla with like gorilla cufflinks. Like that was. His oh. curse for being mm-hmm. so... But that's the only part of him that ever does any acting. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry, I slammed our pats. That's okay. I'm mad at him today. And then it was Johnny Depp, and then it was um, Wolverine. Hugh Jackman? That Hugh was my Jackman. Wolverine wow. impression. Hey, they're all dreamy, let's face it. But Zac Efron, have you seen him? Oh, is he in it too? Not at the top three. Oh, he's not? Nope. Do you know where he placed? I don't... Not in the top three. So you did top three research. And yeah. Then ended up there. And then I got really mm. mad, slammed the computer down. So I you're think, saying Zac Efron should have been yeah, in the top Yeah, I'm three. saying oh, he should have. Okay. He was the list, Glamour. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're upset that he didn't meddle, basically. <laughs> yeah. I was like, meddle? I was thinking, <laughs> With a D That's where I was going with yeah. it. Yeah. It makes me want to meddle with a T. I'm so mad. He's beautiful, and he's on the cover of Details this uh, month, if anybody wants to pick it up. Uh, Zach Efron, yeah. really? Yeah. He has exactly the kind of hipster vibe that I would expect in Ooh. Details. Yeah. <laughs> so good. He looks all greasy with a tank top uh-huh. on. Mm. It's nice when it's happening to men and not just women, this greasy with a tank top thing. That's true, I guess. I just feel, okay, we can talk about something else. <laughs> I just hate the fact that this glamour list is really overshadowing uh, Cat Fancy's top 50 felines. No. I mean... <laughs> oh, did they have that? That I'd love no, to I'd, see. <laughs> I would imagine... Now the boys are interested. Yeah. I would imagine they would, though. I mean, mm-hmm. Cat Fancy trying to like drive up readership. Yeah. Like, we got to make a list. Sexiest cat alive. Uh, <laughs> and they don't do even have Do you guys have, have their, some nominees? Uh, well, I don't know. It's It's... it's it's just a double-edged sword to be the sexiest cat alive and not have any testicles. So. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> what really, an insult. Really sad mugshots yeah. of these cats. <laughs> he could have been a real macho cat. You guys have macho cats? Anybody? I, no. You know what? I have two cats and I love them both. Uh, the one that's male is anything but macho. Oh, He's really? totally... Lady cat. He's really gay for getting petted. Like he's just really into, and he's really blatant about it. And and he doesn't have any like cool about it. He he just wants to be petted Whoa, all the time. And the female slutty. cat is the one who's aloof and like you can pet me if you want, but big deal if you do or don't. But the male cat is the one who I think. Because can you release their names? 
Uh, sure, Barney is the male cat okay. and Millie is the Oh, those female. are great names. Oh, thank you. I was thank hoping you. they would be a little sillier. They're just really good names. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> Mr. <Thanks>. Snickers. <laughs> uh, Count Chocula yes. is uh, a <laughs> Um, yeah, so he's, you know, I think because um, Barney, I, I brought home uh, when he was a kitten, and right the very first night he slept right uh, on my, he was a tiny little kitten, and he slept on my pillow by my head, oh. and I think he, like, just had the idea that I'm his mommy, you right. know, but uh, Millie, the other one who's a rescue, she was found underneath a uh, car, uh, so she's, like, skittish and, yeah. and, and uptight about stuff, you know. <sighs> yeah, I have, I have two cats, Sydney and Vaughn. They're both mm-hmm. boys. They're about four now, I think. And mm-hmm. um, they're both super affectionate, but in different ways. Sydney's just kind of the lap cat always. He's really unflappable. Mm-hmm. You can have 20 people over in the apartment, and he won't yeah. bat an eye. He'll just come out and be social. <laughs> Whereas Vaughn will be flap. hiding in the closet till everybody Yeah, disappears. when I have people over, my cats both hide because I taught them to have a fear of intimacy. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> like mommy, like babies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, speaking of cats and loving them, you and Eddie Pepitone have mm. a new web series that is Yeah, really we're in a awesome. thing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's on Funny or Die, and they I think they just posted the second episode today. Um, and it's funny. People aren't you. saying it's dying. It's got overwhelmingly funny. Yeah, it's, it's gotten a good response, and it's uh, written and directed by Laura Keitlinger, who's one of my heroes, who's so brilliant. Awesome. She's great, yeah. And, um, and she based it. Just on knowing Eddie and myself, Eddie and I co-host shows at the Fake Gallery a mm-hmm. lot, and um, and she heard us both talking about our cats, and I guess she didn't expect that we'd be cat people. Yeah. So she basically wrote a whole series about two guys who work in an office, and all they do all day is obsess about their cats. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so well written, and you guys do such a good oh, job. Oh, thanks. Well, any I I, I knew just. All I have to do is sit next to Eddie Pepitone. I know there's going to be a lot of laughs coming out. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's a pretty good bet. Hi, Eddie, if you're listening. Yeah, Eddie's, Eddie's hilarious. And yeah. I, I feel like you, you guys' two energies would really, like, bounce off of each other. Really oh, well. thanks. Yeah, we, you know, we've hosted a lot of shows together. And if we do the show at the Fake Gallery, we're on, we're on the um, – we're in the back of the room and we're on these video monitors – and we just bring all the acts up. We're not on stage. We're on videos on the uh, uh, on the stage, and but we're sitting next to each other in the back of the uh, gallery. And and we never do any material. We just ad lib. And we, oh, we have like so a fun. really we have a really fun uh, uh, rapport with each other. You, know? you guys did a little something at um, the Tomorrow Show recently. The anniversary yeah. show, and that was it oh was yeah, so fun and you to were watch very it. funny in that oh, too. I might thanks. add. <laughs> That's how we met. <laughs> Pretty dreamy, uh, but you guys had a great back and forth. It was awesome. So yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Work it. <laughs> Don't stop. <laughs> I'm so inspirational today. Yeah, yeah you very are. much wow. so. Zach Efron, you can make that list next year. He's young. He's got time. Yeah, I think he's going to be okay, Vanessa. Yeah. I mean, he's, shake he's got his whole future ahead of him. This All is right. just one list. What was this movie lists. that just came out? Charlie something? Oh, or? Charlie St. Cloud. Charlie St. Yeah. Cloud, which I assume you saw uh, on the first opening day. day yeah. Opening day, um, It didn't go so uh-huh. well for me as uh-huh. a viewer. But mm-hmm. And the box I, office results <laughs> would tend yeah. to agree with you. Yeah. yeah. He's, um, I mean, I'm their demographic, and I didn't like it, and I knew that was a bad sign. But, oh, but okay. there's hope he might be doing a musical soon. Yes, of Memphis. Which is a big hit on Broadway right now. Oh, okay. And that boy can sing and dance. He can. You know, when he was in high school, he could just break into song and dance. It was amazing. (gasps) Frank, have you seen the musicals, the high school musicals? I've seen parts of some of them. Oh, (laughs) Oh, you're even more endearing. Oh, they were pretty good, right? What, the high school? Yeah. I, you know, I I have to say... um, I'm not against the idea of them existing, okay. but um, but you're a film buff. I mean, I'm you a film love buff, them. and I and and but the songs were, maybe weren't the best songs ever. I'm just <laughs> oh, I'm okay. just gonna I'll I'm just that. saying. You you know. I feel like so, the series yeah. should shouldn't end. It should keep evolving. Should uh-huh. follow the same guys as they get older and older. So you do college that. musical, then you do early job placement musical. Promotion, the musical. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know what I like about the idea of those things? Or I don't know if it's the idea behind them, but what they became is I know from friends of mine who have really little kids, little kids love high school musical. Like little kids are really into it. So I kind of like the idea that there's something like really innocent because it's a very innocent thing. That there's a really innocent thing that in this day and age that little Ugh. kids can enjoy. And That's like not over-sexualized or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The only problem with that is they're going to get to high school and they're going to be like, Algebra? <laughs> Where's the dance? <laughs> Algebra? Algebra. Hey. Hey, <laughs> it's for the L. Hey. Well, yeah. 
<laughs> You're flunking me, what? All over the place. Look at my fro. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so I kind of want to talk about perhaps the greatest piece of cinematic majesty we in just theaters did. this year. Oh, this year. Okay. And that would be The Expendables. Wow. Which, which you just saw, right? I did just see it, and uh-huh. oh my God. Um, I've seen the billboard. I think I know what it is. I'm done. No, no. You need to... Okay, first of all, it's every action star from the right. 80s. Yeah. Who've all had tons of work done from the on, 80, their faces. From the, on their faces. From yeah. the 80s and in their 80s. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's just a bunch of grunting pieces of beef jerky, uh, shooting yeah. things, and then blowing things up, Why and then shooting so the blown mad? up stuff, and then blowing up the shot mm-hmm. stuff. Like, it's the most, like, but excessively what made them ridiculous. Mad at the beginning? At the beginning. Russians you mean? or something? I bet the Russians <laughs> are the bad guys, aren't they? No. Oh. There's Somalian pirates at the beginning that, they, of oh. course, they fight against. Oh. Um, but, but like, why did they all get together to be a big group? Well, of they're meetings? like hired mercenaries that like oh. do things. Basically, they're a, I'm guessing a ragtag group of they are. of uh, they are rebellious. Is there a wild card? They on don't, them? and they don't really go by the rules. I'm yeah. guessing there is a, there is a wild card. Yeah. Uh, Sylvester Stallone plays Barney. Uh-huh. Oh, he named it after my cat. Exactly. Uh, and He's not he that and, macho. He and Jason Statham are kind of like best buddies uh-huh. um, who go on missions mm-hmm. a lot. So is Jet Li, who mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot to do in this movie, sadly. Uh, and then uh, Dolph Lundgren plays Gunner, who uh, can barely talk. And uh, uh, he kind of like in the very at the very beginning. I'm not going to spoil anything. Like kind of basically, I don't think you could. I think you could tell us the whole. Kind of goes on the outs with them. So then his like loyalty is kind of questioned throughout the movie. And oh, um, and he can be, yeah. He, no one in this movie can talk. Mm. None of them can talk. Mm. The dialogue that they oh, have is you, like you almost need subtitles <laughs> for the entire movie. <laughs> Because in addition to those guys, there's uh, Randy Couture, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Randy Terry Crews, and all these wrestlers. And then I, you oh. know, uh, someone was telling me too that um, Jean Claude Van Damme thought he was too cool to be in it or something. Yeah, he really? turned it down, yeah. and Steven Seagal turned it down. Oh well, He's that busy. doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So yeah, those, those two guys turned it down somewhere, but Stephen Seagal. <laughs> but it is seriously like the most ridiculous. Like Stephen Seagal's doctor told him uh, avoid any relevance if possible. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor's orders. <laughs> Though he is in uh, Machete coming out. Which oh, is, is he? Yeah, you, you know Are that? Are you supposed to say it like that? That's how they're saying it. Yeah. Really? Machete. Machete. Ew. Machete. Yeah, let's say um, that. Machete. That looks good, I have to say, yeah, from the trailer. It looks kind of awesome. Yeah. And the same thing, too. Like, uh, Steven Seagal's in that, and Don Johnson's in it. They say introducing oh, wow. Don Johnson. Yeah, that one. Lowen. Yes. That one I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, I loved um, Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror was really good, Oh, I, I didn't thought. see that. And that was in the Grindhouse. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Has, I like him He has some crazy energy in his life. Yeah. I think that's what I like about him is yeah. It feels like, yeah, it's pretty hyperkinetic, but it, he doesn't cut so fast that you can't tell what's going on. It's right, like Michael right. Bay. He's just like, oh, two seconds, cut. Oh, yeah. oh, second and a half, cut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've been Quite enjoying his work since Shark Boy and Lava Girl <laughs> with a young Taylor Lautner who would grow up to make the top 10 glamorous 50. <laughs> wow, you have a deep knowledge of things I know nothing about. Well, it's amazing. I think it's flip flop true. You probably know good things. <laughs> you have a brain full of smart things. The flip side is Vanessa's not allowed around many um, schoolyards. <laughs> or... Hey, I'm just bringing the kids some playtime snacks. <laughs> There's no crime in that. Come here, little boy. Just didn't... kidding. That is not funny. Did you guys see uh, Scott Pilgrim at all? No, I, I, I want did to. Not. Yeah, you better I've hurry. Heard, I've heard it's good. It's not doing terribly well at mm. the box office. But it's not doing that badly for what it is. I mean, it made it debut top five in terms of like the kind of movie it is. It could be a little weird for that. So I think it's not that bad. Yeah, I think they expected it to do a bit better than it yeah. did, though. Uh, it's really entertaining, though. It's really, yeah. uh, Edgar Wright can make a movie. Yeah, I haven't heard anything bad about Me it yet. Either. You know? Yeah, it's cool. So rush out to that guy. That's all we're going to Oh, you know what I saw? What you the think? girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, that's like a, a foreign film, yeah. right? Yeah, so good. That's what I'm hearing, yeah. And then there was all the kerfuffle about who's going to be the the one. That's a word. <laughs> Say kerfuffle again, please. <laughs> there was yeah, the, the American studios are going to ruinize it. They are going to ruinize <laughs> it so bad. That girl like is so amazing. Uh, Numi Watts or something? Yeah, they're talking Numi about her getting an Oscar nomination for it. She's so... It was so good. I was so upset mm-hmm. when I left the theater to think, like, we're remaking that movie already within a year yeah, of it being made. because it can't be valid if it's not American. Right? It's so... I yeah. cannot believe it. After watching it, it is, like, so well acted, so mm-hmm. modern. There's nothing mm-hmm. dated at all. And now they're... they're ugh, I'm just mad about it. 
So go see it in the other language. Go watch them talk like little barnyard animals. The only thing I, I do like, though, when they do remakes, not necessarily of foreign films, but when they remake old classic movies, mm. even though it's never good, is it right. usually just brings attention to the classic movie yeah. and it usually gets a remastered treatment on yeah. DVD or it gets a Blu-ray release Ooh. or something like that. So all of a sudden, you're like, oh, now I can finally see the original well, movie in a way that's... Well, I, I think remakes, you know, it's not like a 100% thing where they're never good. Like, right. for instance... Um, the Maltese Falcon with Humphrey Bogart was made twice before. You know oh, that story true, was yeah. done two times before uh, that version. Wow. You know, and, and and the Coen Brothers are doing a True Grit now. Oh yeah, um, the John Wayne movie. But uh, the 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 True Grit is based on a novel by this writer Charles Portis, who's who's considered really great, mm-hmm. you know, is a really great... I read a book of his called The Dog of the South, which was really great. And uh, and so apparently the Coen brothers are doing it very true to the novel, which the oh, original wow. John Wayne movie apparently... Well, I haven't read the novel, yeah. uh, which apparently the original John Wayne movie wasn't. So hmm. so it's, you know, every now and then there can be like a good idea for, for, for doing something that... Yeah, every once in a while they, they do yeah. it right. I think it's best when either they take a movie that was really flawed, I like mm-hmm. had a good idea, but wasn't executed very well, uh-huh. or it was based on a, a source material that they didn't quite capture the nuances of. And they didn't right, to do right. It. And then there's things like Psycho Remake, which was like, why? <laughs> oh, yeah. Shot for shot. Like I, never saw, I never saw that. Although there was something about doing that that's so crazy in a way. They don't, you almost admire it, just yeah. doing like a... An iconic movie. A frame, a frame by frame remake. It's it's such a crazy idea that it just might work, but apparently it did. Right. Really, really <laughs> Maybe next time. Really <laughs> well, I think part of the problem with that was the casting of Vince Vaughn, honestly. Like, oh, really? He wasn't right for... Like, and at the time, yeah. they were talking about... Um, oh, what's his name? Jeremy, the guy that was from Spanking the Monkey that was on Lost. Um, I don't know. I can't think of his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's actually really kind of got that boyish creepiness, like in Spades. And at oh, the time, yeah. it was like they should have given it to him. Mm-hmm. And then it said that because Vince Vaughn was really hot at the time, they went with him, and it just didn't quite. Mm-hmm. I don't think quite worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's. I mean, uh, um, Anthony Perkins is so iconic in that yeah. part. I mean, how? Could, but actually, I've read Anthony Perkins uh, always said that that, that movie is. It was so iconic, it kind of ruined his career. Because, oh, really? Well, in a way, because before that, I mean, he in the 50s, he did like a lot of romantic leads and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he was considered kind of a dreamy young guy or whatever. And then when he did Psycho, then after that, uh, he was just thought of as like, as that Such character. Yeah, that's you know, he always played kind of creepy people yeah. after that. Because I remember in a movie called Tall Story, I think. With yeah, Jane Tall Story with Jane Fonda. Fonda yeah. Where he's like a high school basketball yeah, kid. Right, like really right. charming and great. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, like you can't see him as anything else after that. Mm. It's kind of like the, the whole thing that kind of happened with Bruce Willis before Die Hard. Is he, before he did Die Hard, it was mm-hmm. like, you can't. He's a comedian. He can't do an action movie. And right, like, no right. one believed him in it. And then, of course, Die Hard like, revolutionized the action movie industry. Uh-huh. And then after that, it was like. Bruce Willis couldn't get roles in comedies right. for a while. Yeah. Like, no, he's the action guy. Like, no, he's, yeah. no, he's a comedian, yeah. first and foremost. But it's kind of weird how that happens. Yeah, and he's he's actually been pretty shrewd, I think, in some ways, of, of like doing like Pulp Fiction and stuff like that, you know, kind of taking, when he can, doing kind of off Sin City, you know, yeah. offbeat kind of things. Yeah, he's, he's cool. I, th- mm-hmm. I think he's made some great choices. Um, <laughs> speaking of weird choices, uh, there's... <laughs> uh, there's been a Rockford Files pilot uh-huh. that's been going around for a while that was supposed to go this year. It didn't. Uh-huh. Uh, Dermot Moroni was playing the James Garner, oh, Jim yeah, Rockford yeah. part, which is oddly head-scratching casting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it didn't go. But now there's rumors that it's being retooled, and now they're having potentially Josh Holloway in the role, who was mm-hmm. Sawyer on Lost. Whoa. I, I, you know what? I was a huge fan of the original Rockford yeah, Files, too. and I just don't see how you can do it without James Garner. It's like... The reason, I mean, the original show had great writing and stuff. And uh, actually, David Chase, who went on to create The Sopranos, was one of the main writers on The Rockford Files. But uh, James Garner just embodied that part. To me, I just can't see it with any... To me, that's what makes it The Rockford Files, is James Garner. Just make a new show. Yeah, you you know, yeah, detective. I mean, there's a million detective shows anyway. Yeah, and then it won't, at least if it's bad, it won't disappoint like a group of mm-hmm. devoted fans yeah i mean the whole thing that it is jimmy like it's his amiable charm and the fact yeah. that like, rockford always ends up 
helping people, but he always gets stiffed in the end. Right. He never yeah. right. makes money. And he has a bad attitude about it. Yeah. And he, you know, yeah. He wants to be anywhere else. Right. And he right. always gets dragged into every case. Mm-hmm. And he never wants to do it. And then he right. always feels like somebody bats their eyes at him. And he's like, ugh. All right. And yeah. He does it begrudging, begrudgingly, and then at the mm. end, he gets stiffed out of his check, and the police never give him any help. And it's right, just, right. He's constantly crapped on by yeah. everybody yeah. because it's Jimmy. It works because he's just mm. such like an amiable good guy. And he has that classic detective uh, fiction kind of thing where he has his his own. He follows his own code. That's, right. That's very principled. You know. I love that. Yeah. Man with a code. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> And the women. best, uh, the best theme song for my money out of anything. Yeah, that was a really good one. What's the theme song? You don't know it? Wait. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe that I can remember it from what you guys. Did. <laughs> I'm surprised. I know. And every episode started with an answering machine message that somebody was leaving, usually right. wanting money or something, and then yeah. go right into that. Now, in the new series, is going to be a text message at the beginning. Oh, no, gross. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be terrible. I yeah, hope they I do a remake of. Uh, murder she wrote with me in it i could do that oh yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> i've never seen cole look so confused angela lansbury's still kicking though i think if they yeah. ever retool it then she'd probably just come back on board or they'd make betty white do it because that's what everybody everybody just wants betty yeah. white like, oh betty white we'll make her say something dirty It'll that's be right funny. they should here's a here's a crazy idea based on kind of an obscure thing is bring back angela lansbury and betty white have them as the Snoop Sisters. Ooh. Do you remember the Snoop Sisters? No, at all? I'm thinking that of was Snoop Helen now. Hayes and oh, I'm blanking on who. It was two like older women who solved crimes. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. that I think people would eat nowadays. that up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they totally would. Hey, you write that yeah, down. Yeah, hey, you take uh, that somewhere. Hello, industry. Are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, industry's on the other line right now. Yeah, <laughs> oh. uh, we'll be right back. So we got to make a business deal. <laughs> Okay, we're back. <laughs> We've all got a lot of money in our bank accounts. We're going to have donuts. Not really. Yeah. Have uh, you guys heard about this movie coming out called Havana Heat? It's, no. Uh, Is it a dancing movie? No. It's, uh, it's a, I think, a detective movie with Wesley Snipes and Joey Lawrence. Like, oh, wow. It's supposed to kind of reignite both of their careers because mm-hmm. Joey's getting a bit of press right now before that new show he's doing with yeah. Melissa Joan Hart or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so he's poised for a comeback, and Wesley kind of is too. I feel like everybody from the late 80s, early 90s right now is like making yeah, I just Yeah, I just heard about that Melissa Joan Hart, and you know, I worked with yeah. her on Sabrina the Teenage That's Witch right. for several years, and so I'm glad to see she's back. I haven't watched it yet. It is on Hulu, though. So I haven't seen it yet either. I into it. I follow her on Twitter. <laughs> it's not creepy to follow people on Twitter. It's the one place you can follow people. Right, right. It's very true. She actually um, uh, told people to follow me one time, and I really? got like a ton of followers. It was oh. great. Yeah. yeah, it's weird how that kind of works. Every once in a while, like, like I think Paul F. Tompkins once said, like, follow Cole, and it was like, whoa. Well, any any time um, Patton Oswalt uh, retweets a joke of mine, oh, it, yeah. like, I get like gazillions that I never would otherwise get of, of and, and, and hundreds of new followers too. I heard one of your jokes mm-hmm. on the news. Oh, really? Did you see this? Who was it that read one of your tweets? On well, the Keith Olbermann That's did. Yeah. 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 We, we had been on, um, cinematic Titanic had been, we did a show in New York and, uh, we were guests on Keith Olbermann's mm-hmm. show and, uh, he's a, he's a huge, he actually wrote one of the first, um, articles about he wrote an op-ed about um the comedy channel in like early 1990 and uh and he he was very effusive in his praise of mystery science theater and that was like one of the early articles that ever came out and he was very proud of that you know yeah and now he uh follows you on twitter yeah i follow (laughs) him he follows me so uh it's you know now that now that I've uh, been able to incorporate the element of star fucking into tweeting, <laughs> I, I'm much I'm much more into it. <laughs> so much better yeah. now. <laughs> so, so how did you, uh, you you talked about Sabrina a little bit? Uh, uh, how did you first get involved with that? In Sabrina, well, that was actually kind of almost through Joel in a way. Joel Hodgson, oh, yeah? who created Mystery Science Theater, uh, he. Um, was a, he had moved out here a few years before I did out to LA and he was writing partners with this woman Nell Scoville who um ended up being the showrunner on Sabrina and and he and she I think she asked him for recommendations and he said oh maybe you should hire Frank to write on it and huh. you know that's kind of how it happened that's so. awesome 
that show had a lot of fun, weird bits in it. Like yeah, it was you know, and it's 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 amazing how it's still you know it has its niche of of kids who watch it. Yeah. It's it's been on the air ever since. It's on. I still get checks. God bless oh them. Oh my you gosh! Yeah. Keep it up, Sabrina. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she might grow up and not be a teenage witch anymore, but the show will always be around. Yeah, <laughs> she'll always look like a teenage witch. That woman doesn't age. Yeah, That's she's true. she's a really nice person. I've always heard yeah, that she's just she's a friendly, a good lady. Yeah. I got really. Uh, you know how you can get too interested in famous people sometimes? Uh, sure. And, like, especially with reality TV, like, they let you into their lives mm. and then you feel like you know them. Around the time of her wedding in Italy, mm. there were a few specials on it. And I remember just feeling like I really knew her, <laughs> like, watching <laughs> and being like, oh, Melissa. <laughs> they made T-shirts for everyone when they got to Italy. It's great. Gift baskets, everything. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone feels like that, right? Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Really? Uh, let's talk a little bit about Mystery Science Theater 3000. Sure. Because um, our listeners will be very upset with us if yeah. you do not. Yeah, they get very particular. Uh, I can't believe he asked them about that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he, he Obviously, the interviewer didn't know anything about They always say that on the Yeah, on the they mystery. do. Yeah, they ob- obviously, the interviewer didn't know anything about Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> what were they doing? <laughs> yeah. Now, you guys watched movies on the show. Is <laughs> yeah. that right? Was it movies? <laughs> Did you guys ever have popcorn? <laughs> Speaking of popcorn, what kind of pop? Just kidding. It's not going to go like that. <laughs> so you used to do stand-up with, uh, with Mike around yeah, Mike Nelson. Right? My, when I first met Mike Nelson, I was... Um I was the open mic czar of Minneapolis. Oh, <laughs> I like ran I ran two or three open mics, and um, and he just came along. He just came in and signed it up one day, you know, to be in an open mic. And right away, like I thought he was really funny, and um, and so that's kind of how. And and his his the woman who became his wife, Bridget Jones, she was around back then too, doing comedy. Yeah. And that's kind of how we all met and became friends hung out a lot Bridget's amazing she's really really funny really really sweet she's delightful she's great Mm -hmm. and she was a writer yeah she wrote she's really a hilarious person in her own right yeah for sure Glad you guys found each other. <laughs> <laughs> and you also met Liz Winstead around that time. Yeah, Liz Winstead actually. Um, I started doing comedy in Minneapolis in like 1986, and um, and when Liz and I met, I was basically I was your basic bottom feeding open mic act. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I was just had done open mics is all I'd ever done, and. Um, and so she had. She was from Minneapolis, but she had moved away. But she she came back to headline, and um, she came down to the club one night, the Comedy Gallery in Minneapolis, and she saw me perform. And she said, uh, "Oh, hey, you were really funny. Hey, why don't you why don't you MC my show this weekend? You know." And that was the very first time I ever did a stand up show that wasn't an open mic. Oh, it was really? like my first kind of real gig in front of a in a real regular show in front of an audience. So, That's awesome. So she basically more or less discovered me. Ooh, and how did it go? How was the first it was great because you know the funny thing is is like that stuff is easier than open mics. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize that there was like people want to laugh. There, there was a <laughs> full crowd, and I was so nervous. Like I'd never performed in front of a packed audience yeah. before, and and I went up right at the top of the show and I'm seated and got bigger laughs than I ever got because there was a real audience. Yeah, you know? yeah. So so it was great, and that's what kind of got me. You know, got me started got me going in, in comedy and those kinds of crowds are kind of like crack for performers it's oh, it's the kind yeah. of thing like when you go to open nights and you tank and things aren't going well because nobody wants to be there nobody's yeah right. everybody's, everybody's just like, like begrudgingly they're <laughs> begrudgingly listening to you because they want to get up there and yeah. do their set or they're stressing and an open sets. mic is never a great show because there might be some really great people but then right. there's people other people that aren't yeah. good so the audience is never quite in a good mood yeah <laughs> they're like you what's know? happening and half of them are like three and a half hours long with like yeah. 20 people and so like you know you oh. go on 12th and at that point most of the audience Everyone's has been walked by wasted. people that were yeah. ahead of you or, or yeah just terrible terrible environments yeah um i mean i, I see the worth in them at the same time mm. but uh whoa, tough yeah. tough 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 yeah tough. once you got bitten by the good show vibe did you start <laughs> starting your own shows or did you just well but, well this was like in like in the 80s in minneapolis mm-hmm. so um i w- doing that show um uh, for Liz that weekend, the, the club was owned by uh, this guy Scott Hansen mm-hmm. in Minneapolis, who liked owned about five comedy clubs at that time, and uh, he was kind of the kingpin of comedy there. 
And um, he saw me, and he could tell that I was like kind of good toady material, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so he, from that week and on, actually every week, then I, you know, for no money, you know, I emceed, I tore tickets, I sat people, you oh, know, wow. and it was, it was, a, I got like a ton of stage time. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, one little thing can do stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it, um, and you know, so it was, it was really easy to just get on stage a lot back right. then you know to just get up uh, this is in Minneapolis and in any town back I don't know how, what it's like now if it's as probably it's it's good in some cities maybe not so much in others but back then every city had a yeah. ton of comedy clubs and one-nighters that you could do you know was right. there well, like that a, was the the boom the yeah, early 80s yeah. stand-up boom yeah. especially big like in LA and San Francisco and yeah like San Francisco uh, Boston you know San Francisco was uh, was huge yeah a lot of comics that um, kind of stopped off in San Francisco and lived there, like Dana Gould, people like that, mm-hmm. um, before they came to uh, L.A., you know. So, yeah, San also, Francisco was kind of the mecca back back then of, of stand-up comedy in a lot of ways. Right, and you also have, like, the HBO Young Comedian specials yeah, every yeah. year that launched, like, a ton of people. Yeah. Uh, I remember thinking, like, Bob Nelson was the funniest thing in the history of the world at that time. Yeah, um, he was on a lot of those. And I, the first time I ever saw Andy Kindler was, on, was when he was on his huh. uh, HBO... Uh, young comedian special, and that was like actually a very rare example of um, of a comedian coming on that I'd never heard of, had no idea who he was, and just killing me, you know. Oh, yeah, and now, yeah. and now I'm friends with him and stuff, you know. But uh, uh, th- that was like really a, a great surprise. You That's know? so cool. Yeah. Did you have a tipping point where you decided to like devote everything to comedy? Um, yeah. I, well, the the thing that worked for me is. Um, is when I started doing it in Minneapolis, I was, you know, I was, I was really living at the near poverty level, yeah. you know, and um, so once I started making any money from stand up, then I was making, <laughs> a, I was basically making a living, right? You know, even though it was like still pretty much towards the poverty level, but I was, um, I was able to just be a, a comedian and not have a day job. I haven't had to work a day jobs since like 1986 you know nice. so nice. that so that even though like i was it's not like i was ever like a really successful stand-up comedian but but right. i was able to get by doing it and that was and that, that actually was, is a really yeah, successful yeah stand-up i mean comedian. it enabled you to quit arby's right Were you yeah arby's for that <laughs> i was working yeah. at arby's <laughs> when i started so you know um so once i was able to make a hundred a week you know, <laughs> I, was on par, I was on par with what i was making at arby's so <laughs> granted then you had to pay full price for an rbq sandwich <laughs> yes, exactly but, but, I got, go but then i but i got free soda at comedy clubs so well, there you go yeah, yeah. yeah it's a good good trade-off so you came on to msc3 K season two, right? As a writer, yeah, yeah, in like 1990, yeah, it was the the second season. So the first season was on Comedy Central. The, the first season was on the Comedy Channel, and then right. the Comedy Channel merged with the Ha Network and became Comedy Central. It just right. took those two to make a central hub. That's right. That's <laughs> we'll right. join together. And and you were never allowed to say you were on Comedy Central. You had to say you were at Comedy Central. Oh. They made a big deal about really? that. Really? Yes. And if you ever listen to those, the Penn Gillette, you know, he's, he was the voice of Comedy Central for That's years. Right. He did yeah. their um, promo, promo spots. He always said, you're at Comedy Central. Weird. Yeah, yeah. That was like also, a big thing with the promo department. You <laughs> that's had to bizarre. Say, you're at Comedy Central. They also, for a while there, had uh, Patton Oswalt and Blaine Patch do a lot of the promos. Like, they were the, the like guys that would pop up and be and just kind of like talk about the the lineups. And yeah. I remember because they would be like, like I remember Patton would, mm. would go, Friday night's the best night to catch your favorite repeats of Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was way, way back when. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. How did you like coming on? Because you knew the guys at that point. So what was it like oh, joining? Oh, coming on, Mr. Yeah. Science. Oh, it was, it was really great. It's actually, um, um, it's actually the moment that um, I found out I was going to be on it. Like, I'll never forget it because I was in um, um, Grand Forks, North Dakota on the road doing comedy. And I was in the hotel room there. And um, and I got a call from Mike Nelson, and he said um, that uh, the show got picked up for a second season, and they were looking for a new writer, and and everyone they all they all knew me already. And he said, "Yeah, we all decided that it's you." So <gasps> I just wanted to call to tell you that you got that job. And, oh you know, my gosh! And to be on the road <laughs> doing like some 
you know, one night or whatever. Right. And to hear that, oh, I'm actually getting a, some kind of a break, you know, it was like a really And was great that moment. in the horizon at all? Like, were no, you not really. It, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't anything I was expecting, no. Oh, my gosh, you know. that is so nice. As a matter of fact, at the time, I was really expecting my career to end. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I had just done this uh, tour of the Pacific Northwest of these, like, one-nighters for, like, a month, and I bombed every night. Oh. <laughs> you know, so I was, like, kind of at a, at a stage where I was like, oh, my God, is this going to work out, yeah. you know? I live there. <laughs> I've gotten quite comfortable right, here. Right. <laughs> so soon after Josh Weinstein left the show, uh-huh. and that's uh, his yeah, that's director. how I ended up getting hired. Was he when he left that created the vacancy for ah. right come in? And uh, of course, then his character Doctor Earhart left, and uh-huh. then uh, you came out Why? as TV's Frank, right? And I guess uh, the way that you guys explained that is you held up a milk carton, like right, the- right. <laughs> yeah, that was just a quick explanation. He was just missing, you know. <laughs> And then never talked about it again. Yeah. I, I guess there was some riff later on where maybe it was a Spider Island movie or something like that where mm-hmm. they went, Dr. Earhart, no, or whatever yeah, else. Yeah, so there that's was what some character that looked like him, I think, in the movie. And um, uh, it was just like, I think, when they did This Island Earth, uh, after I had left, they did a riff about how one of the characters looked like. They all kind of, the aliens in that movie all kind of had Frank hairdos or something, <laughs> you know. I think they did some kind of joke about that. Nice. Um, and then you were on for a total of five seasons, 109 episodes? I yeah, guess? 109 episodes. I See, the, no one is going to say this guy doesn't know his stuff about the show. Yeah, go pop. Go. Yeah. I used to have sleepovers uh-huh. with my friends uh-huh. in high school. We would watch the show all the time. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, <laughs> do you have a particular favorite movie you guys have done? Um, I... It's weird. I mean, I I love Manos, the Hands of Fate, which is everybody's favorite. Right. You know, um, there are other ones I like. I like. I accuse my parents. Um, I, I think it's weird when you talk about what movies I like. My my mindset at the time when we were doing them, we you know we did so many like sci fi movies, horror movies. Yeah. That when there was something came along that wasn't that, like I was excited about it. Like when we did a western, Last of the Wild Horses, and Gunslinger with. Um, Beverly Garland, um, like I was, I was excited about that because yeah. it was like <laughs> a change, change of pace, pace. Yeah. you know. And also we did, um, and when we t- did TV movies, like I'd always, for some reason, I'd always wanted to do TV movies. Yeah. And we did um, the Master Ninja ones, and then there was another one. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. I remember Lou Ayers was in it, but I don't remember the name, but. Um, we did the gag where, um, the, you know, the movie is made for TV, so it so it fades out for a commercial the way like act breaks are, yeah. you know. But mm-hmm. but then when they show it and it's not in its original form, it, you know, there'll be those act breaks and then the show starts starts up again right away. And so we had it where um, uh, Mike or Joel and I forget which it was Mike or Joel and the bots would when that fade out would come they'd stand up and start to walk out of the theater and then <laughs> it would come back up and, they'd sit like that. and stuff like that I love yeah. you know nice <laughs> uh, and you got kind of put in charge of selecting films after a yeah while, right? after a while uh, when I was first there it was very haphazard we just kind of um, you know when we were having lunch we'd throw movies in and and uh, what happened was this movie Side Hackers that we did. It was like the second movie, only the second movie that we did when I was there. Um, we watched like twenty minutes of it, and we're like, "Oh, this is great! Let's do it!" You know. So we get the rights to it, and then we're, you know, the day comes for us to write it, and we're watching it, and no one had watched the whole movie, you know. And then suddenly there's this horrible rape scene. You oh know? no! And we're like, we don't want to joke about this, <laughs> so we had to cut that scene out and stuff. And then we just decided, look, somebody has to watch the whole movie, yeah. you know, and 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 so someone should have that task of and so it just you know, it just naturally flowed to me because everybody else on the show, it was the do it yourself nature of the way we made that show yeah. was such that everybody had other tasks um besides writing, like Trace was always building stuff or designing yeah. stuff for the as was Joel of course and um you know Kevin the first year I was there Kevin was also the editor on the show Ugh. you know and um and Mike was the head writer so <clears throat> when when other tasks like that would come up 
you know, like someone like me who I didn't, I had no skills at anything <laughs> except you writing. can watch a movie. Yeah, that was it. That was it. And so stuff like that um, would would fall to me, you know. And did so you have like a fun that. selection process that, like, did you end up finding a lot of them in archives or? Well, we were sent them by. Um, uh, Comedy Central at the time would just send oh, us like boxes nice. uh, of tapes of movies from different distributors like Sinister Cinema mm-hmm. or something weird video, you know, companies like that. Right. Um, and then I would just sift through them. I would just watch them, you know. Wow. A lot of people think that it's not scripted, that it's improvised when you guys mm-hmm. are commenting, which obviously is not true. You're right. sure you scripted out very carefully. Yeah. Um, when you... The process for you when you would mm-hmm. initially watch these movies the first time through to select them, did mm-hmm. you ever jot down jokes that just occurred to you or did you just take it Sometimes, to yeah. I mean, I would uh, – I don't know if I jot them down, but I would think uh, – that that would be part of the reason I would say, oh, this could be good because That's I'd be right. thinking of jokes as I was watching yeah. right. them, you know. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think that was kind of inherent in, in, in movies that we'd pick. And with the writing process, did you guys carve it up into chunks and write individually? Did you write together? Did you do it? Yeah, teams? we uh, we uh, wrote together mainly. We we had a day where we'd watch the movie and yell out riffs, and then someone would type mm-hmm. type them in, and then we'd have a second day where we'd do that, and we'd also have a day where we'd write sketches, and then um, uh, we take the script. And then individually, myself, Mary Jo Peel, uh, Paul Chaplin, this other writer who worked there, would line assign them. We take the we take a, a, a section of the script and assign, you know, decide which line. You know, there might be ten jokes for one one moment. You know, right. Right. decide which lines to use, and then assign, and then decide which character should do them, and then we just compile all that together into a script. Yeah, it's weird how that works because, um, you know, I, I do riff tracks with Janet, uh, and we'll like we'll, we we carve it up. We write some of it together. Uh, we carve up a lot of it, but then it, we just kind of just like just switch off lines. Like we don't really right. like unless we decide that somebody's going to be a certain character's voice a lot or somebody's yeah. going to be a recurring gig. And it's funny because then people will comment they're like, "Oh, well, that that this you know Janet's line of this was hilarious, or Cole's line of this yeah. is hilarious." It's like, well, I wrote that line and she right. wrote yeah. that line. That's true too with cinematic Titanic now is that people. Um, I get the impression people assume that all the lines that we do are lines that we wrote, and it's not. That's not true at all. Yeah. It's like when it's the same thing too, where we split the script up and individually assign lines, and and we all kind of just decide. Oh, that's I could hear Mary Jo saying that. Right. You know, I could hear Joel saying that, and you know. Um, but I get a big kick. When we're doing live shows, um, I get a big kick out of any laugh that anybody gets, you know. But I, lo- I, I love it when I get a laugh. But I also love it like when my, when when my jokes gets a laugh from someone yeah, else. Yeah, like, I still I still get totally. a big kick out of that. And also, you want to keep it rotating enough that not you know not some somebody doesn't have a lot in a row or something. Right, you got to right. time it. Yeah, you got to exactly, look off the thing. Exactly. You need to give people time to like get up into it because yeah. if they have to do stuff too close, like they might obsess over one line, right. nail that one, and then forget that they have a cap or right. one line later and then yeah, blow that one. exactly. Has it impaired you as a movie watcher in general? Like, <laughs> can you turn it off? <laughs> um, I, um, it hasn't impaired me. I, I, it's weird. As I get older, like, I, when I see a movie that I love, like, I, if anything, I'm more reverent about it now. Oh, you yeah? Know? Like, I, I, and the movies that I've always loved, I, I just really love a lot and 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 i i just really get into them so when when so when i'm seeing something that's really good it's it's just a great experience and that's never diminished at all yeah and a bad movie you know the thing is is most of the time like i just assume not watch it as sit and like just make fun of it right right yeah, there's certain movies that are more of an experience. Like, you get your friends together and you watch The Room because it's so yeah, bad, it's bad. Yeah. But other than that, like, there's a lot of movies that are, like, 80 minutes long and terrible that, you know, you paid $12 to see at the multiplex. And then yeah. you're just like, why am I even yeah, here? Yeah, I'd rather not do that. Yeah, exactly. Minutes. Yeah. I remember I had people over my house one time. We watched, we, like, we watched Valley of the Dolls. You mm-hmm. know, it was like, that was like a mystery science scene. Yeah. Everybody was yelling stuff out. Right. It was really fun. That's you awesome. Know? Yeah. Yeah, when you set it up that way, it's yeah. great. It's less fun than when you're just, you know, sitting eating ramen and watching HBO and yeah. with your cat. <laughs> and, and, Arag- and Aragon comes on, or Aragorn, or whatever that movie right, was. Right. <laughs> Why am I watching this crappy dragon movie? Yeah. That's what happens. 
Uh, well, let's get to firsts, Whoop. and then we'll get into the questions. Yeah. Uh, so we do wait. first on every episode where we ask Ooh. a certain question, uh, uh, first already movie, et cetera. Okay. So the question I came up with for you is, who was the first stand-up comedian who really inspired you to try your hand at stand-up? Um, wow, that's an interesting question because um, I don't know if there was one that um, specifically uh, – I would say, you know – the answer I would give to that, I, I think, is Woody Allen because, you know, he was my favorite comedian when I was a kid. Right. And um, and I think, you know, he kind of uh, just set the bar very high, you know, in terms of his jokes and stuff. And I, I just always, like, admired his talent and kind of wanted to emulate that, you know, from a very young age. So, so I think overall, you know, there's a million people I could probably yeah. say, but I would probably just say Woody Allen. It's a very good choice. He's uh-huh. a very funny man. Yeah. I think for me it was um, – and I, I don't do a lot of stand-up. I've dabbled in it. Uh-huh. But um, Albert Brooks is like – Oh, probably, yeah. You know, and he that's another name I could have easily – just as easily have said Albert Brooks. It would yeah. have been just as true. Because he's more of a bit-oriented yeah, stand-up, and, yeah. which is what I usually do if I host something or whatever. I usually come uh-huh. up with bits as opposed to like airline food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try to come up with bits. And yeah. the, he did right. so many great bits, especially on The Tonight Show with Johnny. Yeah, uh, like the speak and spell bit he did. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Oh, like of, of course. And also, I think you know, in a way, Albert Brooks is. Uh, you know, he's a really good answer to that question because I don't know if people even realize how incredibly influential Albert Brooks was on all of comedy that has come since him. Because you know, the first thing I ever saw him do when I was you know fourteen or thirteen or whatever on the Tonight Show was he came out and he did. Um, the fake ventriloquist where he was the really horrible ventriloquist with the hot potatoes and stuff no he, yeah well no that was well, a later bit right, this right. was an early bit where, he, where they introduced him as a ventriloquist he came out you could see his lips move uh-huh. he was he was horrible and um, and it was so brilliant and that was like the first time and it's done all the time now where that was the first time someone came out and like did a bad act on purpose huh. to be funny yeah you know which you can go to the UCB any night now, now and see it. people yeah. doing that the anti-comedy you know? yeah. but um, uh, Albert Brooks was the first to do there was also another guy at the time Art Matrano who would come out and did like a bad magician act um, but uh, um but Albert Brooks also, even though like he, he and Steve Steve Martin don't seem that similar, Albert Brooks was a huge influence on Steve Martin, and Steve Martin took that idea of being the bad entertainer, but it's hilarious how bad he is, yeah. um, and took that to another level and made it even more popular, and, and that in turn influ- you know was had a seismic influence on all of comedy that came after that. So you know Albert Brooks is just. A giant in comedy, yeah, you know, yeah. agreed. Especially like uh, his first movie, Real Life, yeah, yeah, so like amazing. Like now in the world, the culture we live in, with uh, with all of the reality programming, right. it's amazing. It uh, seems like it could have been made last year. It really does. Yeah. Cause, I mean, the whole concept of it is it's it was a parody of like a uh, thing of the on, American an American family, an American family, family on PBS. Yeah, yeah, the Loud Family. So like he basically fo- picks a family to follow uh, around in, in a reality thing, but he keeps getting involved in their lives. Right. Because there's not enough drama or whatever. He keeps yeah. constantly coming into it. So it becomes about him and not mm. about them. Uh, and they, these crazy ca- camera helmet cameras that are yeah crazy. yeah. I mean that so was good. that was a brilliant movie. And the and the shorts too he did for Saturday Night Live. And also he was um, uh, originally Lauren Michaels asked him to be the regular host of Saturday Night Live. Really? And he actually turned it down. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. That could have made things different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you, Vanessa? You have a first stand-up? Well, I remember... My mom liked stand-up, so it was on in the house a lot. And I remember really liking Bill Cosby. And then the first time that I remember personalizing it, though, is watching Paula Poundstone. And think, like it was just the first woman that I'd seen that was yeah. getting up there and that was really funny. Um because there were all these men I liked, but that was the first time that I was like, "Oh, like yeah." I and could she do was that. she's a brilliant comedian, so good, yeah. so, so good. good. And I just have a like a vivid memory of sitting in the living room and like thinking, like, "Oh, I could stand up and like just talk." Because she yeah. just has that great <laughs> conversational, like so engaging and bizarre. Yeah, she. I uh, you know I used to see her perform live a lot in in Minneapolis and. Um, she would just sit on a stool and talk to the audience. And, you know, crowd rap can be very hacky in a yeah. comedy club. Hey, where are you from? Well, what's your right. problem, loser? You right. know? <laughs> but 
she would just literally have conversations with people and and get incredible comedy out of it, out of just you know without doing one hacky thing. Uh, I just love kind that. of being in just the like moment, mining them. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I can't not think of Shasta Shoda though, and I think. <laughs> <of them. laughs> um, Awesome. All right. Well, let's let's do some questions. Yep. Uh, I did something similar for Mike, Kevin, and Bill when we had them mm. on a month or two back. Um, I'm going to name an actor and the character they played from a movie that Joel or Mike and the bots riffed on uh-huh. okay and then you just try to name the movie. Oh, wow. All right. So I, thought I, hard, right? Do, I thought I don't do too well on I that. You might you do all right. I'll uh, give you clues. There's 10 of these guys. Uh, first one, Ross Hagen as Monty. Well, that was either Side Hackers or Hellcats, right? right? Hellcats. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. One down. Mm-hmm. You're going to do okay here. Right? Uh, uh, number two, Miles O'Keefe as Ator. Oh, that was, um, oh man, I totally know that movie, but I can't remember. What was it like? Not Cave Dwellers? Yes. Yeah, Cave Dwellers. Oh, okay. Yep. I'm really two proud of you so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, uh, Glenn Langan as Lieutenant Colonel Glenn Manning. Oh, oh! That was um, the Amazing Colossal Man, right? You're so good yeah. at this. <laughs> yep. I figure since you picked a lot of these out, yeah. <laughs> uh, Robert Vaughn as the symbol maker's teenage son. Oh, that was Teenage Caveman, right? <laughs> now, Rob, there's no way I could forget Robert Vaughn. I, you know, when I was a kid, the Man from Uncle meant more to me than life itself. So there's no way I, that I was going to forget. That, uh, teenage Robert Caveman Vaughn. is a special part. In your <laughs> yeah. heart. And that was uh, Roger Corman, right? And yeah, it was Teenage Caveman. Yeah. And I believe Robert Vaughn was quoted as saying that it was the worst movie ever made. Like, Whoa! It probably is. It might be. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. Also, Frank Tacova was. <laughs> You see, you could have tried to stump me by saying Frank Tacova, but I would have even you Frank Tacova, who was, was the enough. chief Hakawi Indian on F Troop, was <laughs> was in was in uh, Teenage Caveman, which was a big <laughs> deal to Joel and myself. We're very into that. <laughs> All right, number five, Kim Cattrall as Wickings. Oh, that was um, City Limits. Yep. It was it's her and Robbie. Benson. Well, that's easy to remember too because uh, Kim Cattrall ended up having a friendship with Trace Ballou based on all that. Oh, really? You know? Yeah. Because he did, as Crow, he did the Kim Cattrall song in that. That's right. And then someone sent it to Kim Cattrall, and she sent flowers to oh the my offices. Gosh. And then when those guys went out to L.A., they had dinner with her. And then, and then Trace ended up being friends with her for several years after that. Oh, my that. gosh. That's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. Who knew? Uh, number six. Well, this is a gimme. John Reynolds as Torgo. <laughs> that would be Manos, the hands of fate. You can't not go to Comic Con or a place like that without seeing like one Torgo costume mm-hmm. for every like thirty in that place. Right, it's right. So popular to this. Day. Also, it's when we when we do live shows uh, um, and even like in tweets. Like anytime I want to do a tw- get like a big retweet, all I have to do is mention Torgo. You know? <laughs> yep. and, and when we do Cinematic Titanic Live, anytime I put Torgo into a joke, it's guaranteed the audience is. And when you and we there was one movie where we reference. Had a quick Torgo reference in the movie of someone's hat looked like Torgo's hat, and he said, "Hats from the Torgo collection, gigantic!" People <laughs> gave it a standing ovation. You're like, almost. We don't need jokes yeah. for another ten minutes. All you got to do ride is write. Abyssy's <laughs> yeah, just Torgo does it does something for them. It really does. Yeah. That's actually probably my first yeah. memory of Mike was him coming in the sketches of yeah. the Torgo's Pizza mm. Delivery Service. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, so funny. Mm. Uh, all right. Uh, question number seven. Arch Hall Jr. as Tom Nelson. Oh, that was Ega, right? It yeah. was. Yeah. Could have given you Richard Keel, but it would have given away the title of the movie. Right, right. Um, Mary Beth Hughes as Kitty Reed. As Mary Beth Hughes as Kitty Reed? Oh, now I think I'm stumped. You did mention this one yeah. earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, was it a... Uh, Look at I, me shaking my finger. Yeah. I accused my parents. Yep. There you go. Oh, Okay. Wasn't that a good clue, though? It was a great clue. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kathy Ireland as Wanda Sacknusman. Oh, that was uh, Alien from L.A., right? Great movie. Mm-hmm. You are nine for nine. <laughs> now let's see. This is it. Can mm. you be? Frank Gersel as Dr. Otto Frank. Oh, that Uh-oh. was a tough one. That You see that one? I think I'm stuck. Look, TikTok. Oh, is it the, oh. the brain that wouldn't die, maybe? Close. Uh-huh. It is a brain movie. Oh, and brain it's like of, a bomb, a kind of a bomb. Um, the brain bomb? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that wasn't a very good the movie. atomic brain. Oh, the atomic yeah. brain. But good. You got nine out of ten. That's oh, pretty thanks. amazing. Pretty, pretty good. Did Fraction a little bit better was. than Mike, Kevin, and Bill did. And oh, they had yeah. three people. Yeah. You, I gave them you, got, you got the goods. But now you've got my questions. I hope mm. you're ready. Okay. Right. And they're, all about, they're all about Zac Efron, right? No, <laughs> they're about politics, numbers, oh, okay. equations, 
the space time and how they relate to Zach Efron. Right. And how it all ties back into my fate. Uh, uh, bride of Efron. <laughs> okay. Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Have you ever met them? I have never met them, much no. to my uh, dismay. Yeah. Do you know people who know them? I well, I know uh, Daryl Ham, and he was in a movie with them. <gasps> that's, so. See, that's close. Yeah. Did you get any gossip about them? No, you know what? Believe it or not, they when it, and I, I don't know him well. <laughs> I've only met him a couple of times, but okay. it never came up. Well, maybe next time you talk. Yeah, <laughs> Venice is always playing Six Degrees of Ashley Olsen. <laughs> so <laughs> far, guess how many degrees? I, lo- I, I love them. I love them. They're 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 adorable. They're adorable, and they're yeah. moguls. <laughs> they are. I mean, what more do you want? <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes we're going to be mm. really good friends. Okay. Mm. Are you into reptiles? If so, why? I don't get the appeal. Uh, reptiles? I, I, I don't know if I've, if I've really f- pursued that in my life. I think that's know. good. It's on my bucket list. <laughs> get a snake. <laughs> I want to put something. reptiles in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> list of things to put in a bucket. Okay. Um, I'm really glad. I'm just not into reptiles. <laughs> there it is. I think they're amazing animals, mm. but... Cole, are you into reptiles, Cole? Not at all. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. We're all on the same page. I'll here. just add that my anaconda don't do tapes by Fonda. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it also don't want none. Yeah. Unless, unless you got you've got buns, hon. We're having a barbecue. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> okay. Anyway, you played a giant baby on Sabrina. I did. What do you think about Benjamin Button? Um, I, um, I'm suing them for stealing yep, my, that's what I was for stealing for. my, uh, persona. And Brad if, Pitt if, didn't if do people, it with nearly as much aplomb. People already mistake me and Brad Pitt enough. <laughs> if that weren't enough, then he does this movie where he's a big baby, you know. <laughs> insult to yeah, injury, Brad insult Pitt. insult to injury, exactly. The, did, did it upset you like it upset me, like, in Bedroom Button, that at the end you didn't get a big, giant baby? Because, like, the way it started out as a tiny old man. I've uh, heard this argument So it should have so ended up a giant baby, right? So mad. I don't, you know what? I haven't seen it, but I'm suing him anyway. Yeah, you should <laughs> sue him for custody of those babies. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, next. Oh, this is a good one. I think they're all really good. Okay. Just so they, you know. have, they have all been yeah, good. Yeah, pretty good. Would you rather take an office job in a town where you lo- like the people you love live in this town mm. and you get an office job there, uh-huh. but you have to work a 70-hour work week uh-huh. in a cubicle with mm. no chance uh-huh. of mobility, or get on a spaceship headed to somewhere with no guarantee mm. of safety? Wow, you know what? I have to say, uh, the, the older I get, I have to say, uh, no, I have to say, <laughs> being around people you love has to take precedent over everything. Even over a spaceship ride? Even, well, you what know. What if there's dipping Dots aboard? You know, I always, for instance, like, you know, remember like at the end of Close Encounters with your Dreyfus? Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're, you're an asshole. You have a family, you have kids, you're not call, you're not going to call them. Yeah. And you're abandoning your family and going up into outer space. We keep you know? having... Guests that are good people. That's, the, that's our problem. I always give some I'll tell you what, you can ask the spacer question again if we get Lance Bass on. Then you'll, then you'll get the answer you want. Finally. But the most awesome thing would be to go on a spaceship with people I love. That that's be, not an that option, would be Frank. Killer. That okay. would be great. I write the question. Especially questions. if there's lots of good restaurants in space. <laughs> like, I know somebody in the space program. I'll put in a word, Frank. We'll see if we can get this done for you. Yeah. What if I was a seamstress on the spaceship and I had a little booth called the Space Needle? Or how about... Um, <laughs> Good God. Can, can we all get on? Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, most ridiculous movie ever, uh, 2012, like when they get on the, oh, big, yeah. they get on the big arcs. The at big, the end. huge, <laughs> gigantic. Sh- like space arcs. And, but then um, I couldn't believe it. Not to, not to imply it was a stupid movie, but it's this gigantic <laughs> arc that is like the most. In all of mankind, mankind has never done anything on the level of building these gigantic right. arcs. And then the guy's jacket gets stuck oh, in the yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. And, then and the that's enough get, to derail and it. And that almost kills the arc. <laughs> it's like... P.S. That arc just looked like it should sink, too. Mm. Did not look like a vessel for this guy. No. Next question. <laughs> a wizard appears uh-huh. and sentences you to either eating one of your cats uh-huh. or... <laughs> wow, I'm not liking this choice already. So, why does a wizard get to sentence anybody to anything? <laughs> this is my world. Okay, sorry. sorry. A, a wizard <laughs> from the world. land of Dictovia. <laughs> <laughs> You're in my house now. Okay, so you either have to eat one of your cats uh-huh. in front of the other cat. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, the other cat would enjoy up. that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Just up in the ante. Uh-huh. Or you have to live the rest of your life with 
long beagle ears instead of your own ears. Oh, come on. The long beagle ears. <laughs> Completely. That's not even any... Because you're never gonna, I'm never going to want to eat my cat. And then long beagle ears. Come on. That's a career. That's bookings. That's, that's a um, chick I'm gonna bring. I'm going to bring vaudeville back with that. <laughs> that you know? translates into yeah. dollars. Yes. Well, okay. So you're a good person. You passed the test, and you would have such cute little fuzzy beagle ears. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. And plus, you good. can like put them up in a hat, can't you? you no, can, you can that's the thing. Like that. no. no, with I get really specific about uh, this. Whatever you're sentenced to, you have uh, to live that. Okay. Like if you get a monkey arm, you can't wear a long mm-hmm. sleeve. Uh, you have to show the world a monkey arm. So mm-hmm. those you can tie the ears on top of your head as long as it's mm-hmm. obvious. They're beagle ears. Okay. Oh, okay. But that'd be kind of cool, I think. Like, mm. if you, if I wanted to hear you say something again, I'd say, say that again, and I'd look oh, up my beagle ears. Oh, you what was should that? have beagle ears. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, with the beagle ears, you already have half of, like, the little sad puppy face, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> It's people a hook. Um, you know, when the casting people are, you know what? We want a guy with beagle ears for this. Oh, Conniff wait, is so available. <laughs> I think we know. We, maybe Conniff we is our go-to guy for if you, you want beagle ears. You want people. real beagle ears? Yeah. <laughs> They're beautiful. They're lustrous. <laughs> they would be lustrous. I would uh, grant you that much. I'm the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Unveiled. Wow. Yeah. I tell you. I always like the fact that these are the kinds of questions that we tend to like get people hemming and hawing over the most you know what i mean <laughs> you can ask somebody like what's your you know favorite all time something or other and then like they'll be like well either this or that or whatever yeah. and then you ask them do you want to have a baby leg or and then they're like oh god i don't know <laughs> these I are like know. moral dilemmas that would happen in a hanna-barbera cartoon or oh something. yeah <laughs> i think that's where i was born <laughs> are you guys looking forward to the yogi bear movie coming oh, out it looks so classy <laughs> <laughs> oh it seems very best of luck to them yeah yeah, I'd, I'm it. surprised it just hasn't happened before now. To be honest with you, really? Well, they well seem to it, mine all that stuff. It seemed though like they to really be effective with a Yogi Bear movie, uh, it should have happened like a long time ago. Because yeah. I mean, I'm a baby boomer, so of course I grew up with Yogi Bear. But I don't know if the kids today, if, if Yogi Bear means much to them, you know. I know okay, it's still of, on Cartoon Network. Uh, They're still played. Out of all, yeah. out of all the Hanna Barbera characters, uh-huh. if you had to pick one to be your favorite, who would it be? Hey, what are you doing? Cole? I'm just a follow question. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Hanna Barbera characters. Um, I would think Top Cat. Because oh. he was based on Sergeant Bilko. So. Top Cat was pretty cool. I would pick yeah. Droopy Dog. Droopy's good. I would have no, to go... Droopy wasn't really a uh, Hanna-Barbera Who character. Who was he? Though. He was on those he was race a, car uh, ones they would No, do. he started with um, Tex Avery, Tex Avery right? right? In the oh, 40s at, at MGM, my answer is invalid. <laughs> See, for me, it would be a tie between either Snagglepuss... Mm-hmm. Oh, or yeah. um, Augie Doggy and Augie Daddy, which right. were like my favorite. Yeah, Aww. I loved them when I was a little kid too. I'll yeah. keep my son. <laughs> yes, dear old dad. Yeah. Where did those guys, guys come from? It's Exist. funny too. How, right. Yeah, how those cartoons, like, you know, a lot of the Hanna Barbera cartoons, you know, they weren't very well made. They had limited animation, but it's amazing how charming those seem now compared to cartoons they put out now that have much better animation. Lots of money you know? thrown into them. But at least. The Hanna Barbera cartoons had character design and you, and you know and soul to yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Great. Actually, one of my favorite things to watch at Christmas is Yogi's First Christmas. That uh. cartoon had all of them in it. And when I, I was a it. kid, since I was I was into anything that had anything to do with secret agents, I was crazy about. And I loved when I was a kid. I don't know what I think of it now. As a kid, I loved a man called Flintstone, which was a feature-length Flintstones movie oh where Fred gosh. Flintstone was a secret agent. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that exists. I'm going to find it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, well thanks so much for coming on, Frank. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been really fun. It's been seriously great. You are a great guy, and you've done such good work, and it was really cool. Oh, to talk thank to you. you. <laughs> right and you are on you. Twitter. Is it just at Frank Conniff? Yeah, there? Twitter at uh, just the slash at sign. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. Fine. And you do a lot of live shows in LA. Yeah. In fact, I'm doing, uh, the fake gallery, uh, tomorrow night, uh, 
tomorrow's Saturday, yep. right? At 11. And I'm doing, uh, oh, I'm doing my show Cartoon Dump uh, this Monday at the Steve Allen Theater. Oh, and awesome. I do that awesome. at great, every great end. Blaine Capatch is going to be in it. Oh, and cool. It's going to be um, a fun show. And that's, awesome. uh, it's, they, they have sketches in between a bunch of really crappy cartoons yeah. that Jerry Beck The Jerry Beck, right? who's a genuine an- animation historian, he, he curates it and chooses the cartoons. And that is so it's fun. It's really fun, yeah. Awesome. And then, of course, Cinematic Titanic still touring around. Yeah, that. we're going to be at, uh, if you're uh, down south or if you want to go to a fun uh, convention that isn't crowded like Comic-Con, mm. uh, Dragon Con, although Dragon Con is crowded, but not like Comic-Con in Atlanta over um, uh, Labor Day weekend. And all of Cinematic Titanic is going to be there. And Kevin Murphy and Bill Corbett are going to be oh, there. Oh, wow. So, that's and awesome. And we're going to do like a, a Mystery Science Theater panel where all of us are going to be. Oh, that's so cool. It. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun time. Nice. Well, thanks so much, Frank. Thank uh, you. Follow the podcast at PMC Podcast on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes. Uh, leave us some comments. Let us know what we you love. think. And we know we didn't do good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. Bye. Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com. And follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye.